Ephesians 6, 18-24, What You Really Believe About Prayer, by Paul Bucknell. This is part of a series called to walk in Christ on the book of Ephesians. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation. Today's the last Sunday that we'll be speaking about the book of Ephesians. But what God has been doing through the book of Ephesians in a spiritual way, he's actually been teaching us, transferring his vision, his insight, his strength, his love into our lives as his community, into each one of our lives. And when we be able to better understand what God intends through the preaching of his word, we begin to understand more, wow, there's a, a communing with God. It becomes a very uh, exciting situation. I think I was originally uh, supposed to speak on the armor, and then I was shifted one week later, and I said, wow, you know, I really wanted to preach on that. <laughs> Look, started looking a little more carefully, I remembered, wow, but this is also a key element of, of a whole armor, our whole lives, and that is the topic of prayer. And today I'd like to uh, close this whole series called Call to Walk in Christ, trying to understand what that means. By the topic in Ephesians 6, 18 to 24, what you really believe about prayer. Trust trying to help you and me understand what we believe about prayer. Paul uh, has a whole lot to teach us and encourage us in this aspect. Uh, first of all, is the place of prayer in the book of Ephesians. Second of all, is the place of prayer in a believer's life. And this part uh, will be the longest. We'll be looking actually at Ephesians 6 and going through that and looking at seven special comments on the believer's life and prayer. And lastly, is the place of prayer in our own life. So as we uh, continue, why don't we bow our heads in prayer? Lord, we want to thank you that you're an almighty God doing wonderful things in our lives. Lord, it's not just like you are great, high, and mighty, and you are, but you came and you express a powerful love, constant love to us as your people. You saved us in Christ. You made us your children. You gave us your Holy Spirit. You blessed us with all sorts and riches of grace. And Lord, help us, Father, to understand, Lord, how we, your people, your blessed ones, will be able to live in, in a wonderful way through this age on earth. Bless us, O oh Lord, and teach us through this time, especially about prayer, Lord, of what you want to do in and through prayer. In Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. The book of Ephesians can be separated into two parts, chapters 1 to 3 and chapters 4 to 6. Chapters 1 to 3 focus largely on doctrine, uh, while uh, chapters 4 to 6 talk more about uh, practical aspects in our own life. The doctrines are something usually in terms of something that's already completed. It's already something past and yet totally affecting who we are, what we do today. It's given us a real insight into the world as uh, the real world. I mean, the real world as God sees it, not just in terms of our own uh, limited scoped uh, perspectives, but in terms of the way God would perceive everything. There's a whole spiritual world, a realm uh, right here, but we just can't see it. So it's, total, it's easy to be uh, non-understand it, live our lives as if it's, it's not real. For example, God, you can't see him. Does that mean he's not real or working in this world? Of course not. But the book of Ephesians helps bring these truths out so that they begin to be fixed in our minds and then affect the decisions we make in life. And so as he goes on in chapters 4 to 6, those are truths that are lived out. 
he shows us how these truths that he has given us actually affect us in our own lives, how we are to carry uh, through and what we ought to do. So in the first section, we think of a Christian cannot grow without the truth of God. It's just impossible. If you don't read God's word, you just won't grow. And on the other hand, though, even though you might know those doctrines and you might specialize in theology, a Christian cannot grow without living out the truths of God. If they don't enter our hearts, our lives, our conversation, our habits, then it doesn't matter how much truth you actually know. So I'd like to now look at this overview. The book of Ephesians talked about a whole lot of different series and themes. They're very powerful. It's not just like he talked about it in one place, but all the way through he's been letting us know what these things are. For Jesus Christ, who he is, how he fits into our own life and, and, and how we relate to him. Uh, God's power. How is that actually implemented toward us? How is it that we are called to have that power? Election, mystery, the forgiveness, salvation. And we talked about many of these things. And as I say, when we step back and look at the book of Ephesians, you'll see these themes come out at you. And they're actually uh, teachings that, again, should shape how we think about our own lives and the world. But there's one that we haven't talked uh, too much about in terms of a theme is one is prayer. And there's uh, prayer has been uh, focused on in three parts in the book of uh, Ephesians. First of all is chapter one, then chapter three and chapter six. Three sections, good sections on prayer. And uh, as we begin to look at the overview here, we're, we're just trying to think well, how Paul uh, actually instructs us in how the important place that prayer has in our lives. Well, let me just summarize it for you. First of all, we look at how prayer, prayer cares. There's a, there's a caring element in prayer. In chapters 1, 15 to 16, Paul says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. You see Paul's concern how it's extended through prayer. Prayer helps. He says in verse 18 of chapter 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, very much like the songs we were just singing. Open my eyes that I might see. Well, here he's praying for someone else's eyes to be opened, that they can see. Prayer enables, from chapter 3, the middle section of the book of Ephesians, he says, I bow my knees to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Here's the great apostle yet on his knees. And lastly, prayer persists. And this is the section we'll be focusing on in chapters 6. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Prayer places a very important place in our lives. What about in your lives? We looked at the apostle in the beginning, the middle, the end of the book. He focuses on prayer. There's something that's important. Now, I'd just like to look at these uh, two passages and read these two prayers for you just shortly so you can understand more what we're saying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. 
That's found in chapter 1. That's one prayer of Paul. He has another one in chapter 3. For this very reason, and Paul is praying for the Ephesians here, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be fulfilled up to all the fullness of God. Why is Paul praying? Do you ever think about why he prays or why you might pray? Is it to be religious? I know some people say, well, I heard that they did a study on, on patients in hospitals that the people who are prayed for always get better quicker. And so that, that's a good reason to pray. I don't think we're dependent on any studies that are out in the world. And in many times, they include Muslim prayers, Buddhist prayers. They're looking at it as a, a religious thing. Paul is not concerned about these things about the care that's shown, you know, just through a person showing concern for another. What he's looking for is a change of God's grace, released from heaven, extended here down in our own lives and spread throughout the world. You can look through his prayers and you will see that he has a great understanding of faith and wants what God is in heaven to bring it down here on earth. You might look at it in the sense of just extending God's kingdom, the reality of the power, the love of his kingdom. So we looked at this graph once. It's what's on earth. God is bringing, wants to reflect it down here on earth from the heavens. He uses this phrase in Ephesians 2, seated us, his people, with him and the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means we, if we really understand our position, we are there with him, reigning with him on the throne right now, on the throne. What brings it all together is prayer. Prayer is when we commune with God. It's when we sit next to him and say, do you think we could help with this particular situation? I remember there was a, a brother, a new brother uh, that came to know Christ. He's a new teen, a young teen in India, Lakshmanda, I think. And he needs a number of valves replaced in, in his heart. And we have been praying for him and been able to raise a number of thousands of dollars for his heart operation. Brothers and sisters gave here and uh, finally raised the, what we totally need. But I just got a note, you know, he's getting pretty desperate. But the point is, by praying, by showing our concern, by bringing what we know and the needs around us to God, God begins to do things in our lives. And it releases the way God works. If we don't show our love and don't show our concern, what happens in those cases? I always like to think about it the other way, don't you? What does happen when we do pray? And here we begin to see it is not that the limit of God's grace that holds back the work of God or revival on earth, it's our prayers. 
I totally believe in the sovereignty of God. But God has so orchestrated it that he works through the prayers of his people. To get us praying, sometimes he has to have us be persecuted. To get us praying sometimes and wake us up to our real purpose on earth, sometimes we have to be on a hospital bed. Sometimes we have to fail a course. Sometimes we have to lose a girlfriend. And it wakes us up. Well, let's see, why am I here? In our crisis, in our difficult time. But if we could just open our minds to what God really wants to do without going through those crises and see that he is waiting for you, for all of us together, to lift up our prayers to him. And then he begins to release his grace. This is the way he has designed to work in the earth. So the way we pray in our fervency, our focus, and what we pray for will have a direct impact on what he does on earth. Without your prayers, that work will not be done unless he calls up others to do it. But on a positive side, and this is again where we're focused, when we do muster our energy and focus on what God wants, there is nothing that holds us back in bringing God's grace in any desperate situation on earth. What are you concerned for? Bring it to God. Pray with others about it. And you begin to see what God is doing. Again, it's not whether God wants to do it. He's waiting for us to bring our prayers so that he does do it. It's not whether God is able. He's waiting for his people. And you say, well, why are we so important? I just want to get on with my studies, get a good job, you know, find that right spouse, have a child. We'll look into that a little bit more. But it humbles us and perhaps should crush our hearts to think that if we don't pray, there's some that, that need aid, help, rescuing, saving, will not be helped, will suffer, will die. While there's others, when we do point ourselves and extend ourselves for God's grace, he will bring healing into this world. And that is a mighty, mighty, wonderful thing. We might not have asked for this, but I do assure you, this is what God has given to us. This is the place of prayer in a believer's life. I want to go through seven things here, but first I'd like to uh, read this together. If you have the New American Standard, you can join us on the screen with me. I know it's a little bit small. Let me read it for you. This is Ephesians 6, 18 to 24. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, if you can read it with me, please join in. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith, 
from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. And that concludes this passage, but also the book of Ephesians. So let's look a little more carefully. I want to quickly give you, give you an overview of the seven points, and then we will uh, look at them a little closer. First of all, prayer is a key aspect of the believer's life. Prayer includes conversation and request. Prayer is a genuine prayer is made in the spirit. Prayer targets on the needs of others. Prayer strengthens and empowers his people. Prayer needs to be specific. And prayer brings God's will into being. Now, I know you might not have written them all down, um, but hang in there. I'll, I'll, each one we'll go through at this point. First of all, though, we want to talk about prayer is a key aspect of the believer's life. We were just talking about the spiritual armor. And if you were look, uh, have your Bibles open and you look at verses 15, 16, 17, and for, verse 17, for example, Ephesians 6 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do you like this? I, in my house we have uh, pretend swords, but, you know, they, they go all over the place, the pretend fighting, and uh, when you have boys, those things happen. We, but if you go into verse 18, notice the transition. Not taking a break, he continues on with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. We are not left in doubt about the place of prayer. Prayer is part of our whole activity as a Christian, a key element in our spiritual battle that we are fighting, just like you wouldn't want to go with half your armor on, the top part being there, the bottom being gone, into a battle. Just like you wouldn't want one side protected, the other side not. But the whole armor all together, we realize, includes prayer. Prayer is a key aspect of the believer's life. Here in Ephesians 6.18, he says, pray at all times. Prayer is so important that he says, no matter where you are or what you're doing, prayer needs to be a key, crucial part of our lives. There are no times we are okay without prayer. There are no times that we're safe without prayer. There are no times we can withstand temptation without prayer. There are no times that God's kingdom will advance without prayer. Pray at all times clearly means that if you are not praying, then you are being inadequate, not fully equipped or fully active in bringing God's power as he planned, his love as he designed through your life into the lives of others. There's something missing. Prayer is important. And prayer needs to be at all times. And I know there's some practical, logical people who are reasoning this. Now, if I was praying at all times, it means at certain points, I'm going to be focusing on what God wants and rather than on that car in front of me while I'm driving. Prayer at all times does not mean that you actually cut off the world. I mean, often we have a habit of closing our eyes, okay? Um, but we are not talking about prayer in that aspect. He's talking about prayer with your eyes open. Prayers with, who's that needy person over there? How come my colleague over here is so sad today? 
how come that person is driving so wildly in front of me? Not with a sense of, I'm impatient, but why is that their need there? Trying to open my eyes to see the world around me and be able to intercede for those things around me. Look closely at the Gospels, and you will see Jesus doing this very thing. The people he ministered to were the people that came around him. Those were the needs. Those are the people that he stood in. You might be thinking, that's good, but I don't have time. Do you have time to eat? Do you have time to fuss with your hair a little? Time to put a little makeup on? Time to make sure, look in a mirror, you're dressed okay? Time to put your shoes on before you leave the house? Time to breathe? You see, when we understand prayer, all of a sudden we understand prayer is not an option. We are losing if we're not praying. We are somehow dwindling down through our lives if we're not praying. There's a loss there, a void, an emptiness, a loneliness, a loss of grace, a loss of love, not only for your own lives, but you're losing the abundance that he wants to give us, the riches of his grace, to pass it on to others. No time for prayer means that Satan has a hand in your life and is destroying you, and you're allowing him. My prayer for the young youth group, not that only they come to know the Lord, but they become alive and see how the power of prayer. A prayer for the people in the cell group, people for the prayer for the church, is what? Not just that we have a lot of people here. No, no, no. What does God want to do through our prayers? So prayer is a key aspect. We see it because it's at all times. Anything that requires us to be constantly attentive to is a key aspect of our lives. And the question is whether it's a key aspect of your life. You can say it is, right? But is it? Prayer includes a conversation and request. Number two, prayer includes conversation and request. In verse 18, he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. So there's two things he mentions here. First of all is prayer. And this is a word for general prayer. and includes all sorts of types of prayers. Uh, when we were singing here, did you notice you were, if you were singing properly, you were praying? You were actually talking to God, open my eyes, O Lord. It's a prayer. Now, if you were just singing it without paying attention to the Lord, then, that, of course, that's not worship. And it's not, you're not praying. Prayer is not just saying a prayer. Prayer is actually when you are talking to him and you're listening to him. There's that aspect. It includes thanking him. I really appreciate uh, not my car being struck, but not my life, you know, for the sake of my family and what purpose God has for Calvin. It, it's, it's the listening. It's, God, what is it that you want to do through my life today? Praise. It's being able to say, you're really special. I don't know why you love me. It's the confession. I've been so arrogant. I haven't been thinking about other people, just my own life. The reflection. 
Why am I going through this difficulty in life right now? What are you trying to teach me, Lord? This is a prayer, a general prayer. It includes all different aspects. But perhaps because he's focused on the armor, because he's focused on being deliberate in what God wants to do through us, not only receiving God's grace, but on earth be able to reflect it, I think he also includes petition here in a special category. Indeed, we could put this petition in the general category of prayer, but he lists it separately. Why? Because it focuses on, it's focused. It's actually bringing a request to God, asking the God Almighty to do something. It is strategic. You don't ask everything. You ask a certain number of things. What is it that you want done? Request. It is actually asking him, pleading with him, begging with him, fasting in prayer. It, it's beseeching him consistently. There's that acknowledgement that we need him. And this is important. You receive not because you do not ask. I know, I know. There's some people who have this concept well, I don't want to bother God. Some have told me this. It's possible that some of us haven't really talked to our fathers and asked them anything because we just don't want to too much relate to them. Our Heavenly Father is not that way. Instead, he has said it this way. I will give you a lot if you ask for a lot. I will give you little if you ask for little. I will give you nothing if you ask for nothing. Now, if you know this is the terms your Heavenly Father is dealing with you, what are you going to do? How many are going to ask for nothing? How many are going to ask for a little? How many are going to ask for a lot? And some of them, I don't know about prayer. <laughs> but will you not ask for more? Does your Heavenly Father want to give you more? Yes or no? Yes! Does God want to reveal His love on earth? Yes! Does he want to hold back his love in any way? No! What's limiting it? It's our asking him. That's all. When we have a heart to cry out for God to work on earth, God begins working. Sometimes we look at the newspaper and think that's what makes it tick. The newspaper is a reporting agency. I know it tries to be predictive in its influence. The real difference on earth is in the prayers of God's people. Never forget it. You can change elections. You can change the hearts of your leaders. You can change your own heart. You can change the hearts of your children. You can change the hearts of your neighbors. Nothing's stopping. God didn't say, don't pray for his goodness to be active in a person's heart. Instead, he says, pray. I'll hear you. If you have trouble seeing the answer to prayer, get someone else. Where two or three are gathered in your midst, there I am also. This is what he's trying to say. Nothing's held back. As you read through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus extends that golden rod to us. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give it. Whatever you ask in my name. Number two, prayer includes conversation and request. It's the delight in getting to know God, 
talking to him, reflecting on life, and asking him, what is on your heart? Because you know that's what he wants done. Third, genuine prayer is made in the spirit. Also in 618, chapter 6, verse 18, it says, pray at all times in the spirit. Pray at all times in the spirit. What does that mean? Uh, perhaps you don't understand what these two words up here mean, just like you don't know what it means to pray in the spirit. Okay? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, those word uh, Greek letters go into English uh, romanization of pneuma, which you might know the word pneumatic, like a pneumatic drill is air-powered drill, right? Well, this is a, the word for spirit is the same word for air or breathing, uh, this whole operation. It's invisible, but it's very real, uh, and we would die without it. And our spiritual lives are dead without the Spirit of God. Whether it has a small S or a large one, we do not know. Uh, the Greek Bible that you would read today would uh, have a small pi. But the, in the original, actually, the unctuals, all the letters were capitalized. So you can't tell where a sentence began and had no punctuation, where it ended, nor you can tell which is a capital or small. Those are all later um, inventions to help us facilitate reading quicker. So you have to look by the, by the context to know if he's talking about the Holy Spirit or um, just a, a spirit within us of sort. The word "n" here can mean by in, pray in the spirit, at the spirit, on the spirit, or by the spirit. I, I think probably by is uh, the most understanding type of uh, concept. In other words, when we pray at all times, we're praying by the spirit. The spirit of God is there working with us. Roman 8 uh, kind of gives us a better picture of what, how that works. But in a, in a real way, what we see is, God does not just want religious prayers. He doesn't want your just five-minute token prayer. No, that, that, that's not just saying, okay, echo a prayer, or if I provide you all a prayer. Now, I'm not saying reading prayer is necessarily bad, but I will say saying the Lord's Prayer every day, thinking that's your prayer, that doesn't make it genuine prayer. Prayer has to be in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is working within every believer, to bring out a prayer to God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. So we're praying to God the Father. We do it in the name of Jesus. We do it through the Holy Spirit. So God is actively working through us, bringing prayers in faith that will be answered and to complete on earth. We work with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working with us. So it's no longer just, I don't know how to pray. And I know that many of you feel that. I understand that. And the first time you might pray out loud, or uh, maybe some of you pray out loud for the first time in English or something, you know, it is rough, you know, and I feel like I'm back in kindergarten. Don't be concerned about that. Don't focus on yourself. Focus, what does God want me to say? And just start thinking. God, you're, you're really good. You've been really nice to me. And thank him for things. Tell him some good things about him, what he's done in your life. You can always start that way. It's a good way of thanking him and praising him. Well, we can continue on by confessing, stating your weakness. I really didn't do this well, or I know when I'm going to face this situation today, I'm not going to do well. Anyways, we're praying with the Holy Spirit. We're working with him, reflecting on our life and the situation and what God wants done. And God's Spirit works in us by giving us that faith to do that. The foolish thing to do would say, I just say the same prayer every day. That's my prayer, my religious prayer. Uh, that's a bunch of baloney. Whether it's a Buddhist prayer, Muslim prayer, Christian prayer. Those are all religious prayers. They're all deadbeat. 
It's not in the spirit. It's not genuine. It's not God working in us to come before God in the name of Jesus. That's what we need. That's what he means by prayer. Other kind of prayers, you know, you just hang a locket on or go through some beads. Put that away. That's for the religions of the world, but it's not for God's kingdom. It's not the way he prays or we should pray. Number four, prayer targets on the needs of others. In the last part of verse 18, he says, pray. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. What is he saying? Pay attention. Look at those needs around you because that's what you're going to be praying for. In this sense, we have, are blessed because we have brothers and sisters around us and friends that aren't believers yet. But those are the people we can pray for. We can be alert, perseverant, and actually bring these requests before God. Now, I just want to show you there's a God's design and the world's design. God's design starts with God's work, what he wants to do. God does a special work in our lives. We're thankful, but he does that work in our lives for the sake of others. So God is working in your life. You're thankful. You're praying and you pray for others. That's the way it needs to go. And this is what love is. It's defined by reaching out to others. It's that being alert, attentive to the needs of others. And so, you know, in the morning, we're praying for uh, those who are sick, those who are needy. Uh, we often pray for uh, Brother Locke in India, you know, until he gets his operation done as well. We're praying for him early in the morning. And, and we're doing that. We pray at night as a family. Why? Because we keep thinking about others. We pray individually. The world's design is different. You, you want God's work in you, but it ends there with a period. And that's evil. It's absolutely evil because you only want God to do things in your life. You stop there. That's period. I'm only thinking about what I want. I want a girlfriend. I please give me a good job. You know, I want to feel better. But you're not focused on the needs of others around you. Notice here. Pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Perseverance, diligently, every day, at all times, we're doing it. And it calls us to go. A foolish thing would be to pray just for yourself. You see the dead end aspect of this? It is not only unloving, it is evil. When you focus only on your life, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for yourself. We will see Paul doing this or asking for prayer for him. That's okay. But notice, even when he asked for prayer for himself, he's asking prayer for myself so I can better serve. You see how it goes out again. That's the concept of love and how it works in prayer. Number five, prayer strengthens and empowers his people. Prayer strengthens and empowers his people. Verse 19, Ephesians 6, and pray on my behalf. Here's Paul praying for himself, right? Asking for others to pray for him that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Do you see how prayer works? It's not just, oh, you know, I want to get out of this jail. You know, I don't like being in this jail. No, he's not focused on that. He is asking for prayer, and it is very right to ask for prayer. If you have that concept in your mind, help me so I can better serve. Otherwise, you may as well stay sick or poor, or lonely, until you wake up to your real mission in life, why God made you, which is to be extend God's grace, bring his riches from heaven down to earth. Ah, then you get it. Then you get better. 
Then you can have boldness to go preach the gospel, not just so you look good, you know, you can do this, you can minister well. No, no, no. So the heart of prayer rests on acknowledging our helplessness and his willingness and ability to strengthen us. And this is what we see. The power of prayer rests on aligning ourselves to the great things that God wants to do through our lives. The first thing we find here is Paul had a need. Paul did not sense that he could minister effectively without the prayer of the people around him. I've been writing prayer letters for 30 years. Think about 30 years, 20-something years. Why? Because of this very reason. I'm convinced I can't do well unless other people join with me and praying for me. I believe it the same way in reverse. I get other prayer letters in, and I pray for other people so that God will bless them. And you see, as we work together like this, we have a strong, strong army. Everyone's praying for others. And everyone is open to receive the prayers of others. Why? So we can do what God made us to do best. Paul wanted to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel. He was in jail at that time, but he had a purpose. If you think you can get along on your own, it's foolish. We need to pray at all times. Number six, prayer needs to be specific. You may know about my circumstances, how I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I've sent him to you for this very purpose, so you may know about us and how we may comfort your hearts. You see what Paul's doing? He's sending, not a prayer letter, but a prayer agent, <laughs> to go and tell the church how his situation is so that they can pray for him. Prayer request, simple thing. And this is what Paul is doing. He believes in it so much that he's going to send a person. And in those days, it was not easy to send someone to travel somewhere and to let them know, update someone on the request. Uh, thank you for that update on Yoko so we can pray for her in Ethiopia. Uh, we need that. And you can sign up for her re prayer request. This is the whole point. Uh, she sends out notes and we can join in and receive those. We pray at home, at church, cell group, mission group. If we only have general prayers, we're missing it. Paul says you need specific prayers. Petition. You don't want to just, and it's okay to have general prayers, but in the end, we need to get down to specific things in people's lives and ask for those very things to be done. It's a call on our own faith, whether God can do it, um, but we need to respond. Lastly, um, and in closing, uh, he, this is actually a, a doxology of sort, a, a closing. Peace be to the brother and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. It is true. Um, this might not be very closely connected to prayer, the section we were just talking about. I understand that. But prayer, as we've been presenting it, and as we are to understand it, prayer brings God's will into being. All these things he talks about here, peace, love, or grace, all are given and brought forward through prayer. There's no doubt about that. And if you find a situation, I mean, we were last Sunday, we were praying for Kenya. We were praying for Kenya. There was a need there. We reached out to Kenya. We prayed for Kenya. 
You need to keep praying for a nation like that. When you find there's a problem there, you go on. You go on. Lastly, I'd like to talk about a place of prayer in our life. What do you believe about prayer? I honestly believe that what we believe about prayer is seen in what we do about prayer. In other words, how you pray, how fervently you you pray, how consistently you pray. If you would right now give a report card on your prayer life, would you get an A for excellent, B, C, D, E, or F for failure? Is God accomplishing his purposes through you right now? All of this is essential. The place of prayer in your life is an opportunity for us to just strategically reach out to God to bring his grace on earth. But let me just ask a couple questions. If I do not pray for my children, it means what? It means I really don't care about them. I think that they can go up, grow up without God's grace in their life. Okay. If I do not wholeheartedly pray about my ministry or area of service, then it shows that I can do it on my own. I don't really need God. If I try to help a strained individual without soaking it, him or her in prayer, then it just shows an arrogance in my own life and what I think to be wisdom. If I or others can have a good life without good prayer life, I am totally deluded, totally deluded. If I only pray to pass a test, but not on how to have God make me a a minister or ambassador for his gospel and love while I'm a student, I am totally blind to God's purpose in my life. If I only pray a little for my wife, really means I don't love her. I don't think my prayer will make a difference. You see, the lack of our prayer shows that we don't really believe God is there or that prayer is an effective instrument by which God works. If I really believed it, I would live it out. But there's just so much self-confidence and arrogance and lack of love, lack of compassion, that we just go on in our Christian lives without God with us. It's just me for me in this lonely little world. It's a time for the church to arise. This concludes our message on Ephesians 6, 18 to 24, What You Really Believe About Prayer by Paul Bucknell. This is part of a larger series, in fact, the last one, on Call to Walk in Christ in the Book of Ephesians. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation.